Namaste and welcome to Pods by PEI, a policy discussion series brought to you by Policy Entrepreneurs Inc. My name is Kushi Hang. In today's episode, we have PEI colleague Ridesh Sapkota's conversation with Rajib Subba on investigating Nepal's cybersecurity landscape. Rajib is former DIG and served as the Director of Communication Directorate in the Nepal Police. He did his PhD in Communication and Information Sciences from the University of Hawaii and brings more than 25 years of professional experience in communication, information technology, and crisis management. Additionally, he serves in various professional associations and community organizations, including the Computer Association of Nepal. Fidesh and Rajiv begin the conversation by demystifying the realms of cyberspace. They then explore how the Nepali state has dealt with its cybersecurity, discussing challenges and risks, and if the Nepali state is doing enough given the growing contemporary threats in cybersphere. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Pods by PI, Rajiv. It's a pleasure to have you here today to share your experience and insights on this important topic. Thank you very much. Uh, moving forward with our conversation, we often hear a lot about cybersecurity and we observe it being tossed out more often with the recent rise in conversations surrounding AI. But many of us seem to not have conceptual clarity regarding this topic. So Rajiv, as a professional in the field, how would you define the term cybersecurity? Well, cybersecurity... Information security, network security are some of the terms that we use in this sector. Basically, people have a different definition or opinion about cyber security or information security or network security. But nonetheless, we look the computer security side from the broader perspective. Whether there is a computer or not, we need to have information security, right? So information security is a big paradigm which includes securing the information that you have, say, in a document, in a paper or a book or whatever, including the computerized one. So information security is a big umbrella term that includes cyber security as well. So when devices are connected with the internet, has their own ecosystem, has their own environment where internet is being connected, that becomes a cyber security. Then we go into the network security, which is much more about securing the infrastructure and networks that are connected with each other. So for general public, I think we can define cybersecurity as securing the devices, infrastructure, software, data, information in the network-connected world. That's very interesting. I think the relevance of cybersecurity is an issue that involves both the public and the private. But... Let's begin with investigating the larger body, precisely the state. Can you give us a quick timeline of when cybersecurity first came to people's attention in Nepal? Okay, I think cybersecurity for the professionals was there quite a long time, particularly on the information security side, computer security side. But nonetheless, cybersecurity has become quite a matter of concern within the government or in the public sphere with the advent of the social media. When social media being quite extensively used by the people, lots of cyber crime issues emerged in Nepalese context. Then people started to realize there is a threat emerging as we move towards the fintech technologies, especially banking and the digital wallets utilizing digital technologies. And people started using these technologies and hackers were active. So I guess about 10 years that we are hearing quite much about cybersecurity issues. 
So, how has the state policy for cybersecurity evolved? And maybe you can illustrate the current institutional landscape for cybersecurity. At the moment, on the institutional arrangement at the government level, we do not have any specific mechanism or institution or agency to look into the cybersecurity paradigm. Ministry is the focal point, obviously. Yes, ministry is the focal point. But nonetheless, there is a department of IT and there is a the INC, NITC, GIDC. They, they have their own specific responsibilities. So we do not have any agency that specifically focuses on cybersecurity aspect in context of Nepal. Nepal Telecom Authority helps in formulating policies. Ministry looks after the cybercrime laws or cybersecurity laws in this context. But nonetheless, this area still needs to be strengthened from the strengthening the prospect of the cybersecurity. Let's move on to discuss a recent incident in Nepal where over 1,500 government websites including the Trivuvan International Airport, TIA, experienced prolonged downtime, resulting in flight delays and causing inconvenience for the public. Unfortunately, such cyber attacks are not new to Nepal, and we hear about them time and again, leading to issues like identity theft and data phishing that can impact thousands of people. This takes me back to my previous curiosity, how is Nepal faring in terms of cybersecurity? Is the current infrastructure enough, especially given the growing threat of cyber attacks and cyber criminals? Well, absolutely not. We are a very nascent stage when we think of securing our digital borders and digital infrastructure, critical infrastructure. Nepal is one of the least ranked network security country in the world. But nonetheless, we are investing significant amount of money in ICT. So if you look into the, say, for example, World Bank data that we have about 2017 talks about 6.5 Arab rupees investment in ICT sector, which is quite, quite a huge amount in context of, say, countries like Nepal. But nonetheless, the investment on securing the technologies is, is less, quite less. So the incident you talked about is one of the reported, one of the visible incident. There, are, there might be other incident that has never been reported, right? We had major cyber crime activities, cyber security activities that happened in the government infrastructure, in the police banking sector, or any other sector since quite some time now. So looking at these events, on the, on the one hand, we are investing quite a significant amount of money on ICT every year, and we rank low at the network security index defined by ITU, and our investment is quite low. So having said this, the landscape for the cybersecurity in context of vulnerability is quite poor in context of Nepal. We just discussed the lackings of Nepali cybersecurity landscape. But the government is increasingly digitizing critical infrastructure and growing more reliant on them. What consequences do those shortcomings entail? What is it at stake if the Nepali state fails to defend its cyberspace in the face of an attack? Well, it has lots of things into it. One of the major concerns that I see is the compromise in the digital sovereignty, or rather sovereignty. Because in the digital diplomacy, digital sphere in the context as growing, countries are getting more digitalized. Countries are much more stronger with the cyber warfare capabilities and cyber defense. 
uh, in that context, one of the main issues is sovereignty being compromised. So let me give an example of a couple of countries in this context. 2007, Estonia was attacked, supported by so-called patriotic hackers, right? That kind of hackers supported by the state are covertly working on to, for the hackers. Estonia is a 99% digitalized country. So the country was standing still. They could do nothing. Sovereignty was compromised for about three weeks. A similar thing happened in Georgia. Both of these countries used to be formerly part of the USSR. So you see that when the digital attack occurs and countries becomes defenseless, their sovereignty is compromised. So when we talk about sovereignty, it no longer Mechi and Mahakali, right? The properties we have, the resources we have, the critical infrastructure we have on the clouds, also part of our sovereignty. So one, I see that when a country being attacked by cyber hackers and government can do nothing because there is a non-attribution. You do not know where the, where the perpetrator are, where the, the criminals are. And they are not able to find out who are the main people to do this. In the case of Estonia, NATO was involved but couldn't do anything except helping Estonia to recover. The other one that I see is the threat to privacy of the public. For example, data is the new oil. So every hackers try to steal data. And if you look into the major cases like the data breach in the United States, lots of data has been stolen. Uh, for example, in one case, 147 million American data has been stolen. And a Sony attack is the same thing. So the data being breached, data being taken away. And they use that data, they sell that data, they exploit that data, including the privacy information of the public citizens. So this is another issue. The third one issue that I see is the, the rise of the cybercrime is quite growing in context of Nepal as well. So as we have a weaker cybersecurity law and lack of knowledge, lack of understanding of the cybercrime, this is having another negative impact on our, on our societies. Then there's a fintech or a financial system being all the time vulnerable, including and also the telecom infrastructure, for example. So these are some of the issues I think quite pertinent in context of Nepal when we talk about the vulnerabilities and threats. I would like to take us to the topic of data privacy, as it is often discussed together with the rising popularity of social media platforms. Today, companies and government hold a significant amount of consumer data. So, who bears the responsibility for any data breach and the consequences thereof? Are there any mechanisms to hold them accountable? Mm, well, no. This is very sad part, actually. This is why we are talking about a policy where the service provider, any entities who are responsible for data of the public must be liable if the data breach occurs. Say, for example, ISP, I go to the ISP, I subscribe to the services of ISP, they have all my data, right? They have my name, they have my Nagrita number, they have my phone number, mobile number, my home address, everything is there. And if somebody steals those data, hackers may sell my data on the dark side, dark way, but they misuse the data. But the company who are supposed to collect data from me, but are not accountable for the protection of the data, there is no policy. So that's what we are raising this issue that any entity, including say retail stores, if they take my data, they must invest on protecting the data they must be made liable for 
any bridge occurs. If if they do not invest quite amount of money on securing the data, they should be liable to it. So we need a policy to ensure that not only data being collected, analyzed and used for their marketing purposes or any other purposes, or lawful purposes rather, but if they are not able to protect the data, they should be make accountable it. That's, that's the bottom line. So, but in unfortunately, in Nepalese context, we do not do that. Even government actually do not understand the kind of a thing that publishing data doesn't affect anybody. So let me give an example here. So Lok Seva Ayog publishes the result of the officers that passes the exam. And they provide the tin puste, right? Tin puste, uh, they provide son's name, father's name, grandfather's name, address, everything. Which I think is not appropriate in the context of data privacy. So these practices has to be abolished in context of rising cybercrime and hackers going after the data. Because all those data are associated with the social security of each individual. And that creates lots of threat. If we look into the uh, plenty of examples are there across international countries, how people has been exploited by once the hackers got the data. So, but there is no mechanism in Nepal. As someone who collaborates so closely within Nepal's IT discourse, can you share your experiences while working on government projects and some of the challenges you have faced? What are the policy level changes or improvements that you would like to see? The challenges are plenty, but as, as you talked about, my individual experiences on these challenges is that the policymaker or the bureaucrats do not understand the cybersecurity issue as it is growing. My understanding is that the bureaucrats needs to think cybersecurity not only from the technological perspective. They need to think from the managerial perspective as well. Cybersecurity itself is not only technology, right? It is the mixture of technology as well as management. We need to take cybersecurity from the purview of computer professional to the national level. So what I advocate is that cybersecurity is a national security. It has to be part of the national security. It is not a computer security. It is not an information security only. It is kind of a thing that we need to think a cybersecurity from the paradigm included in the national security. That is very hard for me to make people understand. But slowly, yes, the new, new generation of bureaucrats are coming up. Policymakers are coming up. They are able to understand, yes, cybersecurity definitely is part of the national interest, right? This one, I think, gives me challenging situations to talk about this. On the policy side, I think we need to talk quite extensively on that. We do not have a cybersecurity law, right? We do not have a uh, cybersecurity policy has been formulated. It's there in the ministry since 2018, I guess. And now the new secretary is trying to come up with a new cyber policy. And I hope he, as a very proactive person, uh, will bring the cyber policy at the earliest. Hi there. This is Somit Nepani from Policy Entrepreneurs Inc. We hope you're enjoying Parts by PEI. As you know, creating this show takes a lot of time and resources, and we rely on the support of our community to keep things going. If you've been enjoying the show and would like to help us out, we'd really appreciate it if you could become a patron on Patreon. 
Patreon is a platform that allows listeners like you to support creators like us with a small monthly donation. Your support will go a long way in helping us continue creating high-quality content for you. So if you're interested in supporting our show and becoming a part of our community, head on over to Patreon and become a patron today. You can find us at patreon.com slash podsbypei. Every little bit helps and we can't thank you enough for your support. Now let's get back to the episode. Moving forward, Rajiv, let's talk about how Nepal can better prepare for a future where IT saturates every aspect of life. Considering Nepal's limited resources that are primarily focused on basic infrastructural development, how can the country prioritize cyber and data security? Well, definitely, I understand countries like Nepal have uh, limitations on resources, funding, and, and those things. But nonetheless, first, what we need is a law, right? A law, policy has to be there. A vision has to be there. What the government need to understand is that we no longer can ignore a cyber threat. Uh, Nepal is no longer in primitive stage. Nepal has uh, gone quite a bit... Uh, utilizing those technologies that has become medium for the cyber crime. So what we need is a legal framework. Legal framework has to be there. A law has to be there. And the agency, I, I think that we need a cybersecurity agency that overlooks all the paradigm in context of cybersecurity in, in Nepal. Maybe a high-level cybersecurity agency or something like that. And other thing that we need to do is to create a Understanding about cybercrime, cyber threat on the common citizens, bureaucrats, governments, businesses that we need to do. Then we need to, say, build up cybersecurity professionals. Because what I understand from my research is that there is a huge opportunity for cybersecurity professionals. For example, at the current data talks about 3.5 million job market is there on cybersecurity. And if we are able to train cybersecurity, that helps Nepalese businesses, Nepalese organizations, Nepal government, as well as international forum. The second one is to have expertise. Human resource is quite essential in cybersecurity because there is a lack of cybersecurity professionals. So university need to change the courses. University needs to bring cybersecurity to their, to their syllabus. And also, from the schools, we need to educate about the cybersecurity. Recently, in one of the states in the United States has came up with a policy. They passed the bill that the high school will provide cybersecurity as a subject. That means children at the earliest age will know about the trade, the cybersecurity aspect, digital hygiene, cyber hygiene, all those things are included. So we have to work in this sector as earliest is better. Like you said before, it seems that many of our law and policy makers continue to view these issues as secondary or even as luxuries. What steps can we take to educate and inform them about the real value of cybersecurity and to shift their mindset from one of complacency to one of proactive engagement? Well, currently, cybersecurity sector is an orphan domain in context of Nepal. The ministry is there, but nonetheless, ministry's priority is the telecom and the media. So there is a department related to IT or the, the GDIS, all those things. But we do not have any agency that particularly focuses on cybersecurity. 
So what you have raised, say, for example, educating the bureaucrats, policymakers, who, who will do that, right? There is no agency to do that. And if you look into the cyber crime that is happening in Nepal, if you look into the data, it is nearly about more than 5,000 cases reported with the police. Those are reported cases. We do not have data on the unreported cases, right? So out of that 5,000 reported cases every year, only very few cases goes to the court. Rest, nothing happens, right? So there is a large number of victims of cybercrime. Nothing is done on them. So what we need might need, say, for example, a psychosocial counseling for the victims and even some young perpetrators who utilize cyber technologies and they do not understand the impact of those. But there is no agency at all. So looking at the orienting, the bureaucrats, the government, policymakers, that is quite essential. Even parliamentarians need kind of orientation courses to understand from the simple computer security to the cyber security of the national context. Only I think the significance of cybersecurity will come into the main forum and discourse will start. But nonetheless, there is no one doing this. There are some institutions who are focusing on, say, training some professionals or working on child safety or something like that. They're, they're on the isolation, they are working on their own silos, right? But we do not have an integrated approach to bring all the stakeholders together and work together for a better and secure cyber world in context of Nepal. So they may need some support from the government. For example, if you need, say, e-payment server, we don't have it. Right? We cannot make it. We, we need to buy it and, and it, it, it needs millions of rupees. But nonetheless, given opportunities, Nepalese private sector is able to do that. But the problem is that I don't know why this is happening. We gave away the licenses and other data collecting services, data service being provided, being taken away by the foreign companies, which is not necessary, I think. Even if the international regulations support this kind of thing, maybe we can, we can pitch in for a partnership between Nepali companies and having Nepali expertise. There was a recent kit with one of the Nepali bank when they advertised for the banking software. They were asking expert having international exposure or international experiences. I think which is not necessary because we do have certain amount of expertise in ICT sector here. They have these international expertise as good as any, any international experts there across the, across the nations. But nonetheless, uh, what we have to do is to promote the Nepalese involvement in the data security because data belongs to us, right? And data, as I said, is a new oil. Everybody would like to get the access to the data of any other countries. So data, for example, about two years ago, I was teaching in Norway from here from Nepal. I used to teach them online for two semesters. But I cannot talk with my friend or chat with my friend in any medium other than the university platform. That means no Norwegian student can talk to me via, say, Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp about the courses are related to the courses through this medium. They can't. I have to talk to them through Canvas. That's the that's platform that university approved. Then I asked why. Then they said, this is the regulation of the country. No data goes out. Data has to remain inside the country. But my question is, 
if okay international big companies are involved or ex- good companies are involved highly experienced companies are involved but the question is is the data here or data outside i don't know about that i'm not expert on that i'm not involved in that project but nonetheless i think my personal opinion is it is our data data has to be here yes if needed there is some kind of a lack of expertise in nepalese enterprises we can go for partnership that's very true because that will enhance our expertise as well but government has to really think of creating this kind of conducive environment to keep the data locally within our boundaries that has to be there i think we have extensively covered the institutions but a crucial part of creating strong cybersecurity are the users what is the level of citizen awareness about cybersecurity what actions can individuals take to mitigate the risk of cyber threats and protect themselves from malicious actor online well on the cyber hygiene side nepalese are very poor no doubt about that uh, for example if say somebody finds a citizenship card on the street he or she will take that card take a picture of it and post in their social media without anonymizing it right giving all the details the name the native place birthplace date of birth everything including the citizenship number all these are unique id in the uh, social security use so we are like that culturally we tend to do that and we as a parents also share our children's information uh, say birth date right birth date graduation date all those things i i call it not parenting i call it serenting you know with serenting so this kind of a behavior is quite rampant in a police context say suppose you are going for a vacation to pokhra and the day you start you post a photograph with whole family and post it on social media saying that we are going for a vacation for 3 days to pokhra okay fine but you come home after 2 days you realize that your house has been burgled and your stuff has been taken away because you posted it in social media right those kind of cyber security consciousness or the cyber hygiene behavior is very poor in context of nepal even we have incident like a young adolescent girl gets a facebook request from unknown stranger and she accept the friend request and become friends and this guy started to cyber groom the the girl who, is, who doesn't know understand the world too much and slowly he asks the a naked picture of the girl and and see unknowingly sends the picture then they he start to sextort or blackmail or something like that then if the girl does not heed to what is demand then the 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 cyber criminal will start to defame the person like morphing the picture and blackmailing something like that we have lots of cases like that in context of nepal actually this is growing quite significantly if you look into the police data it's quite significantly growing revenge porn is another thing that is quite growing up in context of nepal people don't understand these aspect because this is new that's what i am suggesting and highly recommend that cyber hygiene be included in school curriculums it must be from say grade 3 and up or grade 4 and up that has to be there so for the general public i would suggest do not post anything that is not yours right and also do not post anything that explicitly gives the data so why that is essential is there is something called social engineering right so for example you take a picture of you with a dog and your dog name is rambo and you post it on facebook i love my rambo right the next day you go to for a momo 
I love Momo, right? Then the after a week, you go to a party, or you meet your mama or something like that. You post with the mama, giving the maiden name of your mother, right? Those three things which you gave on social media belongs to the security questions of the Facebook page that you have, right? What's your favorite food? What's your pet's name? What's your maiden names of your mother? It's all gone. So anybody can hack your Facebook very easily. So the hackers are always looking for these kind of vulnerabilities that people have. So we need to understand cyber hygiene in context of Nepal is very poor. That's the reason we see lots of cyber crime have occurred because of the ignorance of the people involved. So parents need to be very aware of that because from the criminology side, if you look into it, there is a perpetrator, there is a victim and there is a guardianship. The guardianship might be the technology or might be the father, mother or, or any, any guardian, right? The lack of guardian's involvement sometimes, quite sometimes, actually make people become victim of the cybercrime. So in this regard, what I would highly suggest people to be very aware of what you are sharing and what you are giving out in a public sphere. And be aware that cyberspace has become a new criminal sphere. So we need to be very aware of certain things. Do not trust that you have a you have a lottery, you won a lottery, something like that. Lottery is illegal in Nepal. Do not fall for any scam or phishing that will say, oh, hey, look, this is similar to you. This, you look this similar to you. I do not clink those kind of stuff. So that education is needed. So these are the, some of the things that I would highly recommend. Uh, now that we have come to the end of today's conversation, would you like to share anything with our audience? Oh, I would say that what we need to understand is cyber has become part of our life, right? It, it's embedded with us. So as these technologies has a lots of potential for, for human in context of utilizing it from different sector, but nonetheless, it also has the vulnerabilities. The more we use starting these technologies, the more vulnerability will rise. So what we need to be aware of is that Yes, we need to use the technology, but we need to be very aware of the threat that it brings in. Yes, there are certain threats that we do not know. That's called unknown, the black swan. But nonetheless, there are other threats which is quite known. So I would highly suggest or recommend the audience to be aware of these kind of threats because people are after your data, right? The data, any information they, they can exploit. So have that, read about it, study it, and understand the threat that cybercrime may bring in and be aware about the cybersecurity, cyber hygiene practices and promote those practices with your children, with your siblings, with your friends. That has to be there. Yeah. Thank you, Razi, for a very insightful conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Pods by PEI. I hope you enjoyed Hridesh's conversation with Rajiv on investigating Nepal's cybersecurity landscape. Today's episode was produced by Nirjan Rai with support from Ridesh Sapkota, Saurabh Lama, and me, Kushihang. The episode was recorded at PEI Studio and was edited by Ridesh Sapkota. Our theme music is courtesy of Rohit Shakya from Zindabad. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast. Also, please do us a favor by sharing us on social media and leaving a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to the show. For PEI's video-related content, please search for Policy Entrepreneurs on YouTube. To catch the latest from us on Nepal's policy and politics, 
please follow us on Twitter at Tweet2PEI. That's T-W-E-E-T followed by the number 2 and P-E-I. And on Facebook at Policy Entrepreneurs, Inc. You can also visit PEI.Center to learn more about us. Thanks once again from me, Kushi. We will see you soon in our next episode.